Elementary music teacher friend, you love what you do, but you might feel unappreciated and, in fact, unseen some days. You may even feel like you're on a music teacher island and just want to connect with other music teachers who can relate to both your struggles and wins when it comes to teaching elementary music. I get you and understand completely the feelings you're having. That's why each and every week, the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast will provide you with solo and guest episodes that will help you realize you're not alone in your music teaching journey. Throughout each episode, my goal is for you to be able to walk away with actionable steps and ideas to help you feel like you're ready to take on the new week with whatever challenges may be thrown your way. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Hey friend, I am so excited to invite you to a free three-day challenge called the Reflect and Renew Challenge. In this free challenge, you'll begin to think about teaching elementary music in a new way. In just three days, you'll go from feeling overwhelmed to confident and will surround yourself with other music teachers who will support and encourage you. Day one is all about reflecting. You'll reflect back over where you're at in the school year and identify the highs and lows, no matter if you are joining this challenge at the beginning, middle, or end of the school year. We start with reflecting first in order to move forward successfully. Day two is all about processing. You'll process through what it is you need to focus on to make your music teaching situation successful. Then day three is all about renewal. You'll break through mindset beliefs while setting goals and action steps to help you meet them. Each day of the challenge, you'll be getting a daily challenge email that will contain action steps for you to take. So simply head to subscribepage.com forward slash reflect and renew challenge to save your seat. And I'll see you there. I'm Shanna Merton, host of the Tech Tools for Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, hello. I am so glad to be back. And this episode is one I'm really excited about. And I've actually been asked a lot of times actually about how do I batch lesson planning. I have talked about this before. Maybe I haven't called it batch planning, but the fact that I take no more than four hours a month to plan my lesson plans for pre-K three all the way through fourth grade. And I know some of you are like, yeah, right. There is no way. How in the world do you do that? Jessica, that's not possible. Or you are right there with me where you can lesson plan pretty quickly. Now, you've gotten your systems down and you're pretty organized. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, I am not one of those people, it takes me hours and hours and hours to lesson plan. Or I sometimes still on a Sunday night, I'm like, what the heck am I teaching this week? I have been there. I've been in every kind of situation you can imagine. So I wanted to just kind of come on and share um, what's what works for me, what has worked for me, and to just talk about batch planning and how it takes me, like I said, no more than four hours a month to plan. 
So first of all, I have talked about backwards planning before on the podcast and the fact that I also have an entire course about curriculum design and backwards planning is having, well, my definition, having the bigger pieces in place, for example, your curriculum map and scope and sequence, and then you work backwards all the way to the actual weekly or daily lesson plans. That is the same system I teach is the same system I have used to help teachers, but also in my own classroom settings where I taught in Oklahoma. I have taught now in Arkansas. I was about to teach at a virtual school in Texas and that fell through, but that's okay. But all that to say, these same systems and lesson plan formats and approaches I'm teaching you, I have used in a lot of various settings with both teachers and with the students I teach. And so the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that picking a date on your calendar to get the bulk of your planning done or dates, I should say, we're going to talk about four dates. And the reason I say this is because when you are strategic with planning your lessons, we know that your plan time, and unfortunately, everyone listening to this doesn't get a plan time, which don't get me on my soapbox about that. But let's say you do have a plan time and you sometimes will sit down during your plan time and just be like, oh my gosh, what am, what do I need to do? I have so much to get done. I don't know what to do. So I, one thing I do for myself is I say, okay, I'm going to use, let's say it's every Monday. For me, it's Tuesday, but let's say yours is Monday. Every Monday in the month of whatever, let's say October, is your sit down and lesson plan date. But we all know that when you sit down to do that, it can be distracting. You're like, oh, wait, there was this lesson plan I found on Instagram or, oh, I wanted to go and search through these, this song list I found, or someone sent me an email to, you know, and you can just get so distracted and go down all these rabbit holes. So I want to give you some ideas of when you do sit down to plan, we're going to use Monday as an example. What do you do each time you sit down to plan? So the first Monday would be, for example, go uh, to get the concepts for the entire next month plugged in. So this is when you are going to follow a scope and sequence or curriculum map. And if you do not already have one that you've created, we're going to talk about in a little bit later on in this episode, what you can do. So right now I'm just kind of naming quickly some ideas of what you could do for weekly planning. And then we're going to get into the nitty gritty of how. So week one, like I said, get the concepts for the entire next month plugged in to your lesson plan template. Week two is when I sit down and how I teach teachers is go through your curriculum and materials to choose what you want to use to teach towards those concepts then begin filling them into the lesson plan, also adding in the materials and resources where those songs and activities come from. So we've done so far the concepts, we're wanting to teach for the entire month, then you're also talking about what you're wanting to use to teach towards those concepts. Week three is when I would, or I do, plug in your state standards. Um, So for example, I'm using the Arkansas Music Standards And I go through, this is exactly when I do it. I have everything that I'm like, okay, I really need to think about what standards these 
lessons and concepts I'm using are covering. And I also include I can statements for the students. Your plans may look a little different, but I do use I can statements, I can, or the students will, those kind of statements. And then week four is when I obviously know, let's say you see your students for 45 minutes. Well, after you've put those songs and activities that teach towards the concept, you're going to want to also plug in warm-ups. Maybe you're also wanting to do a folk dance. Maybe you're wanting to do some kind of musical game where we know these are still teaching the kids music. They're just not so much focused on the concept that you're wanting to teach, but you want to also add in some other activities that the students would enjoy as well. So that's week four. I add in other things. And then I also look, really look at assessment pieces um, during that last week too. So let's go into this a little bit more. I talked about using a template, a lesson planning template. I personally actually had this conversation with my administrator last week. Um, back in the day when I talk, talk, talked, when I taught, excuse me, for Tulsa Public Schools, I am a very detailed, if you haven't noticed yet, person. And so when I was required to turn in lesson plans, I used, uh, actually, I think back in the day I used Word document. Uh, and so I really would have all my plans laid out and they wanted me to include so many details. You know what I'm talking about. And by the time I had all my plans, I taught pre-K through fifth, like we had to print them out to turn them in. So it wasn't as tech savvy as things are now. But anyways, I would have like 10 pages of lesson plans printed every single week. It got ridiculous. And I was like, I'm tired of like wasting so much paper, but also just like it was hard for me to follow my own plans because it was too long. So I switched to Google Sheets. It just ended up being something that worked well for me because I can have everything outlined for every grade level on one sheet all the way across. So it would look like, um, or it does look like kindergarten, let's say, um, but I also teach preschool, but kindergarten on the left side all the way across to fourth grade is the grade level I teach up to now, but I have taught fifth. And so left to right is the grade levels. And then top to bottom is the concepts, objectives, standards, lesson, assessment, all those pieces go top to bottom. So your template though, does not need to look like mine. My goal for you is for you to have a template that you use because when you have one ready that you really enjoy using, even if you've purchased it from Teachers Pay Teachers or whatever, or if you're in my Harmony lesson plan, I mean, excuse me, my Harmony membership, you know I provide monthly lesson plans and that's the same template I have used from when I taught, um, when I had revamped it from when I taught in Tulsa Public Schools. Um, if you're in my curriculum design roadmap course, also I show you how to create your own scope and sequence or curriculum map and use those examples as templates for you to follow. So what my goal for you, like I said, is for you to use a template that works for you, including the pieces like standards and concepts, objectives, I can statements, assessment and materials. And once you have it created, then you're able to use the same template month after month after month. You would, so what I do is, so let's say my lesson plans for August, I literally just go up to the top left corner and push make a copy, change it to September, and then I go in and change out everything there to make it fit what I'm teaching that month. I hope that makes sense. It makes sense in my brain. So hopefully that came across right. 
So let's talk about your curriculum map and scope and sequence. I mentioned that earlier of one of those weeks that you're going to sit down and use this. Well, if this isn't created yet, I really do suggest following one and going with that until you have time to create your own. You're going to notice as you begin following a curriculum map that has been created by someone else that, okay, I like the way this person put these pieces in place, but, or I don't like this particular section. I want to change it up. That's what's great about starting with a done for you already curriculum map or scope and sequence is because you're able to see what's already done. And then you're able to make informed decisions about, I like that or I don't, which will go into you being able to create your own or edit it to fit your needs. You don't need to start from scratch. Use someone else's, borrow borrow all the time, okay? Uh, and then I wanna say that when you follow a roadmap or curriculum map, scope and sequence, you're gonna know what you're teaching and when, which ties directly into lesson planning. So when I say in week one to get the concepts for the entire month plugged in, well, how do you do that? When you have a curriculum map you're following, you're able to say, oh, in the second month of the school year, let's say that's October for you, I'm following these concepts based around what this curriculum map is telling me to use. You take it from there, you plug it into your lesson plan template. It's that simple. And I know you're like, yeah, right for you. No, it didn't start simple for me. But as you get going, I really think you can just overthink things. I'm an overthinker. But when you get in there and start actually doing this is when it will become easier month after month and school year after school year. So look at the curriculum map and know what concepts you're plugging in and just literally take them and put them in your lesson plan template for that particular month. You're going to start big and work your way backwards. This is backwards planning. Having the bigger pieces in place, for example, your curriculum map and or scope and sequence, then you're working your way backwards and plugging in those pieces into the actual lesson plans themselves. Well, okay, so we also talked about going through your curriculum and materials to choose what you want to use. This goes into eventually having a songs and activities list. Maybe you kind of sort of have an idea of what songs and activities you want to use or online curriculum you enjoy using or in-person lessons you've been handed at a workshop, but they're kind of all over the place. The benefit of having a songs and activities list is all you're doing is saying, this is the materials I'm using the curriculum I'm using, the plans I'm pulling from, and you're having it on a list where you're hyperlinking to various songs and activities or putting down the book and page number that activity could be found on and also putting it under the concepts that that particular song and activity would teach towards. This takes time. And so the biggest piece of advice I can give around this in something I am doing this year in my new position is to start what I call a brain dump. I know that sounds very lovely, right? It's like probably not very grammatically correct, but I'm Jessica and that's the way I roll. So uh, start a brain dump where basically you are doing that. You're putting down, ooh, I like this idea. Oh, I like this song, this activity, da, 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 da. And you're putting it on a list and you can make it fancier later if you like. And if not, 
It doesn't matter. You're the only one seeing this list. And so having a list of songs and activities that you can go to time and time again, and when you sit down to plan during week two, and you're like, what am I, what songs and activities am I using to teach towards those concepts? When you have an ongoing running list of songs and activities, then you're ready to go to that particular, let's say it's on a Google Doc and pull from it. The goal is just to know where to go to get your lessons and songs and to keep track of also what you've already taught, what you haven't taught, or what other songs you may want to use from that list. And then we've talked about adding in assessments. And so make sure you definitely consider that. How would you do that? If you've gone through my curriculum design roadmap course, or you've even taken my curriculum design workshop that I've done that's free, you have heard me say that assessment ties directly to the concepts you're covering. So remember I mentioned those I can statements I include in my plans. So for example, if it says I can or I will keep a steady beat, then I'm going to know that I'm assessing my students on keeping a steady beat. What I like to do, because I feel like for me, I don't want to assess everything the students are doing formally in my music room. Am I on, am I doing informal assessment from the entire time they're in the music room? Of course I am. But what I'm saying is the way I do it is if I'm working on steady beat with my students and I'm saying their I can statement is I can keep a steady beat. Well, remember I said that I am looking at those songs and activities that will teach towards that concept first that's the particular song or activity I am really focused on assessing my students on that particular class period. So in the assessment piece, I would say assessing students on keeping a steady beat um, with their feet or with a partner or body percussion on an instrument, and I'm making an informed decision around that. So the last thing I want to talk about is when you sit down to plan, I would say this is probably a week four activity. Actually, you might do this in week one, actually, but you make the decision of what works for you. Have your school calendar pulled up where you're looking at any performances, holidays where you're maybe out of school, assemblies, etc., that you will mark in your plans where you can gray out that week so you know don't teach this day or this day may be different because it's going to be more working on a performance which I have a lot of opinions about how to do that as well. So listen to prior episodes about me talking about performances and programs. Um, So I hope that you found this helpful. And like I said, this is not an overnight fix. Actually, I don't know if I said that, but this is not an overnight fix. It's not just something that's going to come easily right away. It is something that I believe once you fall into this routine of batch lesson planning, it gets easier. And eventually you're like, oh my gosh, like, I I totally get it now. Week one, you have a plan of what to do. Week two, week three, week four. And every month you're going to notice your lesson planning not only just gets easier, but I feel like it gets better and more quality because you're focused in on what you're planning each time you sit down to plan. And it's not as overwhelming of what am I doing this week? What am I teaching this week? The A lot of that will start going away and you're going to be really having quality and better lesson plans, in my opinion. So I've seen it time and time again with teachers I've worked with. And my lesson planning has changed for the better because of having systems in place just like this. So I hope you're having a great week. And I cannot wait to bring you a new guest episode next week and to continue bringing you other episodes on this podcast. 
Well, hey there. Thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook Group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week, and I will see you soon.